Welcome back to Well, That's Interesting, the only reputable podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the only and one. I, and I am your reputable host, Jill Chacha, and I'm with Marissa Fact Checker Riley. That's right. Uh, I am the fact checker. I checked it. <laughs> we are the most, what was the word you used? Reputable. <laughs> that's- Reputable. That's us. That's us. So reputable. Uh, welcome back, everyone. We are now at in between zero twenty. Fuck yeah! Almost this this episode series is uh, almost old enough to drink. Even yes. if it already sounds like we've been drinking. For yes, me. we haven't. We haven't. Not today. It's been a few hours. It's been a few hours since our last drink. Um, yeah, it's in between zero twenty, and we've been on an invasive species kick. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Last several episodes cover like dog-sized lizards in Florida and like mammoth fish uh, in Europe. And today will be no different. Um, Amazing. Well, the first half of the show anyway. Mm. The second half is going to be painfully cute and the shit like Pixar movies are made out of. Oh my God. But first. Why would you do that to me? <laughs> it's you okay. You know Pixar films <laughs> break me. I had to stop. Yeah. Well, we're, we're going to start with uh, brain infections and then move on. Pixar. So we're going to start. Okay. <laughs> we're going to start easy and then move on to the horrifically cute. Uh, oh, well, let's get to the title. Okay. Brain infections from eating feral pigs and then the cutest giraffe rescue you're ever going to see. Oh my God. This is so. <laughs> the first one is like a horror movie, which yes. I'm very comfortable with. And the second one does sound like a Pixar movie. I think Pixar movies are scarier than like hereditary in my mind Mm. they like like an Ari Aster film what a what a disgusting way to start a sentence (laughs) an Ari Aster film I watched in my I don't know (laughs) viewing projection room um no I think I think a Pixar film is so much scarier because it makes you feel your feelings whereas a horror movie just makes you think about uh blood and demons yeah Blood, it, blood and demons are much easier to deal with than my thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> my feelings. I can process a cave creature in oh, the easy. catacombs of Paris. Not a problem. Much easier than um, the future. Yes. Or, yeah. Or, or just, just the emotional reckoning of coming to terms with some sort of, you know, character development. God. Oh, God. They're so good at it. <laughs> Anyways, I'll let you continue with the podcast and stop talking about my own uh, uh, stuff. No, it's uh, we we all feel it. Yeah. So let's yeah, let's talk about brain infections. Yes, let's <clears throat> do it. Okay, so let's dive into the uh, well, the the facts about adorable, destructive wild piggies of North America. I love that you call them piggies. <laughs> That's right. Quoting from the Atlantic article, "The clock is ticking on America's feral swine bomb." Quote. There are as many as 9 million feral swine across the United States. Their populations have been expanding from about 17 states to at least 39 over the last three decades. Canada doesn't have comparable data, but Ryan Brook, a University of Saskatchewan biologist. What a word. Saskatchewan. I'm staring at it and I... (laughs) And in disbelief. How you guys say that every day. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, so Ryan Brook, who researches uh, wild pigs, predicts that they'll occupy 386,000 square miles across the country by the end of 2020. 
uh, another thing that happened in 2020, mm-hmm. and they're currently expanding at about 35,000 square miles a year. Damn. I've heard it referred to as a feral swine bomb, says <laughs> Dale Nolte, manager of the National Feral Swine Damage Management Program at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Uh, they multiply so rapidly. To go from 1,000 to 2,000 is not a big deal, but if you've got a million, it doesn't take long to get to 4 million and then 8 million, end quote. How funny would it be, first of all, this is amazing, I've never heard of it, it's incredible, Uh, but how interesting would it be that we were so focused on politics, COVID, that we didn't even notice our streets are full of uh, pigs. So many pigs. And they're just, it's like... um, they're multiplying so fast that like waves of them are like coming in through the windows and the pipes. And, and I'm okay with that. I'm fine with it. Pigs are adorable. <laughs> I'm going to show you a photo of them. And they're, they're pretty, they're just the, the cutest little killers you're Aww. ever going to see. <laughs> they also eat garbage. That's so great. Yeah. They should eat our, they should come to New York. Uh, yeah, they, they'd go so, they'd be best buddies with the raccoons and the squirrels. Oh, yeah, and they'd eat what all a, this crap in the what street. A, what a street gang. Yeah. Oh, I'd join that street gang in a minute. I would, too. <laughs> so, Swine gang. So, uh, so, yes, these pigs are so successful that there's an actual program trying to manage their numbers. Oh, <clears> yeah. So, <laughs> so why and how did they get here? Now, if you guessed it's probably humans' fault, uh, you're right. Of so, <laughs> would you like to read further? From the Atlantic. I would love to. Uh, Quote, most wild pigs are a mixture of domestic breeds and European wild boar. Uh, The problem with uh, with the hybrids is you get all of the massive benefits of all of that genetics. Brooke, uh, the University of Saskatchewan, uh, I tried really hard, uh, (laughs) biologist says, um, it creates uh, what we call super pigs. Uh, domestic pigs have been bred to be fertile year-round and have big litters, now averaging more than 10 inches each and also grow large. And oh, also ten, to grow large. Ten, I, 10 in each. Oh, 10 in ten, each. 10 babies in each litter, yeah. Oh, I really butchered that one. <laughs> no, but 10? got it. They have 10 babies? Ten babies? That's so many time. babies. So many, yeah. Continue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, boars, meanwhile, uh, have heavy fur and other attributes that help them brave the winter months. Wild or domestic, the species is highly intelligent with a keen sense of smell. So, yeah, yeah. these are fucking super pigs. Super pigs. And Lots tons of, of them. Lot, yeah. They pop out 10 at a time, and they've got, like, the best clothing at the same time. Fuck yeah. Yeah. She so, could, yeah. <laughs> So the combo of fertility and ruggedness makes for a sexy, witty, burly creature Mm. that sounds like a hipster on paper, but is nature's little hooved eating machine in reality. Mm. Uh, A family of wild pigs is called a sounder, and uh, that's usually made up of two to three sows, or adult lady pigs, and their babies. And altogether, those numbers can range up to 20 to 30 pigs in one sounder. Holy shit. Now, would you like to see one sow and her annoyingly cute little litter? I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Oh, my God. Um, I'm going to describe this, even though you didn't ask me to. Um, <laughs> the, so we've got a big mama pig. She's, like, blackish gray. She's very, like, like a cool, like, 
older woman I want to be someday. <laughs> very strong. Look like she's got some muscles. And then these little baby pigs. Yeah. Uh, there's four of them. They're like, they look like they're the size of uh, French bulldogs. I want one right now. They've got these gorgeous <laughs> little stripes and all of them are eating mud. And I- I'm just so <laughs> obsessed with they're this. Really, they're really adorable. Yeah. <clears throat> so... Nine million of those can really do some extensive damage. Uh, They love our grain, peanuts, soybean, cotton, and vegetable crops. They even go for farmers' calves, lambs, and pregnant livestock. Wow. Yeah. Native plants are a huge part of their diet. And yes, even native animals, from snakes to baby deer. Everything is on the menu. What can I say? We made them in our image. (laughs) this, This is the most American thing. Yep. I've ever seen. I'm positive if they figured out how to fry something. Uh, oh, we're doomed. Yeah, we'd, we'd be doomed. If they harness fire, it's over. Are they going to eat people? I mean, I'm for it. Yeah. There are some people I wouldn't mind. Uh, Feed them to the pigs. Disappearing at the moment. So. Ah. According to the Atlantic. Anyways, we'll just move on from the darkest statements we've ever made. <laughs> We're fine. We're fine. We're totally fine. Ah, According to the Atlantic, they're responsible for $2.5 billion in damage each year. Oh, my God. So what are our options here? Well, one, you could trap them. And trapping is great because you can catch multiple pigs at one time using few resources. Uh Um, uh So who better to ask for trapping advice than a Texan? There you go. That's right. And don't worry, Marissa, it's not you. I'm not going to ask you for trapping advice. If you had, I would have come up with an answer. I'm just saying. (laughs) Um, So our advice today is from local radio station KSS in Hopkins County, Texas. Uh, Basically, you make yourself a big old cube that snaps shut. Quote, the best type of trap would ideally be a permanent trap about 25 feet wide with a T-post every four feet to strengthen it. Put a top on top and uh, make the walls around seven feet tall because wild hogs can jump as high as a deer. Wow. (laughs) Uh, If you decide to trap wild hogs... Make sure to provide shade or some form of protection from the heat because the hogs, they cannot sweat and will overheat and die if left out in the sun. Oh, babies. How funny would it be if you asked me that and I gave you that exact answer with that (laughs) much knowledge (laughs) of pigs and structures? My God. Yeah. I I would be shocked, but also not shocked at the same time. I'd be like, well, what the hell are you doing podcasting? You should be making, you can make a pretty penny making Maybe you know, swine traps. traps. Swine <laughs> traps. Um, I do. I do want to also mention that I appreciate that they don't want the pigs to overheat and die yeah. from the sun. I, I think that's a yeah, they a kind, a humane way. Yeah, to trap. I don't know what's going to happen next, but okay, it's not humane. The okay, next one. got it. Uh. <laughs> the second option is hunting. Okay, and this is tricky because pigs aren't dumb. No, no. If shot at, at, at if shot at. They know they're not welcome, and the sounders then travel miles to a spot where they feel is safe, and thus extending their reach and populating in a new area. Uh, So KSS says to stick to hunting any pigs on your own farm or property uh, and do it around 2 in the morning because, like we said, they're smart. Pigs know humans really aren't around at that time in the middle of the night, so you'll most likely see them out and about around that time. I I mean... Call me a softy. I would rather take the time to build this giant ass trap. Oh yeah. Than um, hurt one of these sweet little pigs. <laughs> Says the woman who ate uh, pork yeah you know, last night. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
It's complex. It's complex, a complex. complex issue. So all of this brings us to our main story. And that story takes place, and you guessed it, Florida. That's right. That's right. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> Wouldn't be a complete in-betweeny if we didn't bring up Florida at least <laughs> once. Um, quote, a man's habit of hunting feral pigs exposed him to a rare brain infection, doctors in Florida say. In a recent case report, they detail how the man developed a serious kind of infection that's mostly disappeared in the U.S. caused by brucella bacteria, end quote. And that's from gizmodo.com. So, yeah, Florida man ends up with rare brain infection. And I know what you're asking. What in the holy fuck is brucella or brucellosis? Seriously, please tell me right now. Yeah, so long story short, this particular... Uh, bacteria is carried by wild animals and on occasion it can get into livestock that's roaming outside and like sharing that land uh, livestock like cattle okay Uh, and when it gets into cattle then it can kind of get into us Uh, this brucella strain causes goat fever as the old timers in the 19th and early 20th century once called it Uh, they're sweating fatigue joint pain weight loss due to the fever uh, if you caught yourself a bad case, the bacteria could travel to your brain, causing headaches and seizures. Um, now, livestock in the United States is routinely tested and vaccinated for brucella, and it's a huge success, which is why you haven't probably heard of this kind of thing before. Yeah. Now, our Florida man didn't get goat fever by these traditional means, though. <laughs> there was no middleman or middle cow. Uh, to transmit the disease. It went straight from wild animal to human brain. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those symptoms of sweating, fever, joint pain, I guess you could kind of describe them as, like, flu-like or less serious, you or, know? Or a Tuesday. Yeah, or a Tuesday. Uh, now, that went on for 11 months. <gasps> he had that for 11 months before Florida man went to the doctor. Oh, my God. And by that time, the brucella made its way to his central nervous system. Oh, my God. Yeah. The case report provided by BMJ Journals says he was diagnosed with neurobrucellosis, which can include blurred vision, hearing loss, muscle weakness, and facial paralysis. Not fun. Uh, He was given a shit ton of antibiotics through IV, and thankfully, he did live through this ordeal. Thank God. Yeah. So, if you fancy wild hog meat, I found some good advice. Uh, This time, not from a Texan, Mm -hmm. but from a Georgian uh, over at... Georgia Outdoor News, and would you like to do the honors and read their advice on how to safely handle wild hog meat? I would love to. Yeah. Okay, from the article, kill feral hogs, but handle them carefully for your health and your dogs. (laughs) Um, Quote, when butchering a hog that you have killed, use clean, sharp knives to reduce the risk of slipping. Wear rubber or latex gloves and eye protection when handling hogs or their meat. Avoid direct contact, bare skin, with fluid or organs from the hog. Wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds after handling the hogs. Clean working surfaces with hot, soapy water. Separate raw pork from cooked pork and other foods. Cook pork Uh, to an internal temperature of 160 degrees Fahrenheit using a food thermometer. Chill raw and cooked pork promptly. That's a lot. That is a lot. Of instructions. As I was reading that, I got closer and closer to the computer. Because I was also like weirdly trying to memorize it. Yeah. 
in in the case that uh, society collapses and this is what we have to do. Oh, yeah. Plenty of wild hog meat out there for us. Yeah. Because that's where my brain goes these days. <laughs> it's, it's understandable. Yeah. It's really understandable. Uh, and I also bet you didn't know you were going to learn the internal cooking temperature of wild hog today. That was... I didn't. 160. 160. Write yeah. it down. <laughs> that's the joy of this podcast. And then after the break... We're going to experience the joy of rescuing giraffes stranded on an island. Oh, God. <laughs> so please, first, though, I want, uh, please listen to this amazing preview of a new amazing show called Ad Creeps, and then we're going to get into the disgusting cuteness. Yeah. Now, see you in about two minutes. Wouldn't you like to be a pepper to be a pepper? Are you looking for a podcast that will feed you a fine diet of cereal mascots, product jingles, and incessant advertising campaigns? You remember that little boy? Zoom Zoom. Did he have a secret? <laughs> and that secret? Zoom Zoom. zoom. <laughs> what was he trying? Was he trying to warn us? Zoom Zoom. Are you also looking for a podcast that is super gay and incredibly haunt up? Then the Burger King's so thankful yeah. that he sucks off the Duke of Doubt. <laughs> and then he turns into the Duke of Dick. Ad Creeps is a brand new podcast that dissects and corrects the TV advertisements that raised us, phased us, and amazed us. Each week, one of the hosts will surprise the other with the amazing hidden history of a notorious advertising campaign. It took 10 years to reveal that he was really America's ambassador of fun. What could that possibly mean? Are you ready? Oh my god. <laughs> to party, Al. I'm ready to party? Are you ready to party? We like to party. Not only will they tell you buck wild stories about the commercials you know and love, the hosts will also breathe new life into old ads. We're downtown in yeah. a city. Uh -huh. uh, a young kid has a McFlurry in hand. Uh -huh. He takes a bite, looks at it, and whips it at a cop. <laughs> Ba -ba -ba -bum -bum. I'm doing my best. Ad Creeps is a show where two queer, trans, and non-binary best friends shoot the shit for half an hour each week, chatting about childhood, nostalgia, and their weird relationship with themselves, each other, and gender. I'm not a girl. I'm not a boy. I'm cartoon fruit. Oh, I'm absolutely cartoon fruit. <laughs> That's the Ad Creeps podcast. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your podcast app of choice. So you can't stop thinking about it. Fuck! And we're back. We are so back. We're so very back uh, from our bathroom break, and uh, I, I, I don't want to talk about it. I don't either. No. <laughs> Instead, uh, we're heading around the world to beautiful Kenya, oh. uh, specifically to a plot of land that was once a peninsula, but because of intense flooding, it has become an island, and we are now at the newly formed Longicharo Island in Lake Baringo. Wow. Now, back in 2011, conservationists thought the one-time peninsula would be a safe haven for the endangered species of Rothschild's giraffes. Mm. Now, today, there are only about 1,600 in the world, with 800 living in Kenya. Uh, that number seems low, and it is. They are still very much endangered, but today's numbers are higher than 2011. Uh, in fact, there were no giraffes in the area at that time. 
Yeah, you're right about uh, breaking my heart. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is this is this is Pixar. This, this is, is Pixar. the beginning of a Pixar movie. There's uh, flooding. There's yeah. So and it hasn't even been the first ten minutes yet. <laughs> no, it's not even. Ah, I'm gonna cry. I'm kidding. I'll be fine. Uh, so placing them there uh, did work. The area was teeming with food, and it was an all-around wonderful habitat for these giraffe until the body of water surrounding the peninsula started to rise. No! Yeah. Conservationists can only stand back and watch as the peninsula became smaller and smaller over the years until the land was fully surrounded in 2020, of course. Of course. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, eight giraffe were on the newly formed Longicharo Island, uh, now, you think eight is a low number, but for the Rothschilds giraffes, that's 1% of their total population. No. And being left on an island surely meant eventual starvation. No! Yeah, it was clear. Operation Get Them the Fuck Out of There had to happen. Yes, I will do it! <laughs> yes. I will go, I'll carry one! That's probably <laughs> impossible. Also adorable. Uh, so before we get into the details of the plan and what happened, I'd like to show you two pictures. And I really just want you to describe what you see. Okay? I'm so scared. <laughs> They're going to be really cute, aren't Oh, it's they? Good. painful. Oh, no. All right, here's one. One photo. Oh, my God. <laughs> what do you see? I, okay, I see a raft with several brave souls. And uh, the raft is just a straight-up wood raft, like a flat surface. And then on the raft is kind of like a cube tent without a top. Mm-hmm. And uh, peeking out from the top of that cube is a giraffe's head because they're right. so tall. That's right. And it looks like, is it wearing a little eye covering? Yeah. It's wearing a little eye covering. That's I guess right. so it doesn't know it's, um, yeah. it could drown at any second. <laughs> right. Not that these nice uh, people would let that happen. No, not at all. Right? Okay. Not at all. Uh, all of these photos, including the little piglets, will be on our Instagram at Well That's Interesting Pod. They better be. I yeah. need to see them again. All right, here is the here is the second photo. So we're panning out from the raft you just saw. Okay, so my my concerns about the giraffe being okay um, <laughs> have been uh, I, I have slightly dissipated uh, because the raft that I was talking about. Uh, there were tons of people in it, kind of around the edge of it, uh, of the cube part. But now I see that there are um, five canoes mm-hmm. full of people around the raft uh, assisting. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it's a good point of view of how big the lake is. It's yeah. just massive. There's no way these giraffe could have just swam it or crossed it themselves. They were yeah. definitely stranded. Uh, so in that raft with the, her little head peeking out, that yeah. was Asiwa, oh. and she was the first giraffe rescued from the island. Uh, that raft looks simple, but it took quite some engineering and draft mind reading to make this plan work. Oh. Uh, some facts about the Rothschild species. Uh, let's start small. Okay. 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 You can identify them a couple of ways. One being uh, how many ossicones they have on their head and i looked it up those are the horn-like or the antler-like protrusions between their ears right if you ever looked at a giraffe's head those the things little sticking nubs. out yeah those little nubs so quoting wikipedia quote this is the only giraffa phenotype to be born with five ossicones yeah two of these are the larger and more obvious ones at the top of the head which are common to all giraffes the third ossicone can often be seen often be seen at the center of the giraffe's forehead, 
and the other two are behind each ear. End wow. quote. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, what comes into play with this rescue is the rest of their body. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. Quote, they are also taller than many other populations, measuring up to 19.3 feet. Oh, my God. Tall. Yeah. And they could weigh up to 2,500 pounds. End that's quote. That's so... <laughs> so big. That's so big. It's 20 feet tall. Oh, my God. I'm just amazed <laughs> that that raft isn't just sinking yeah. into the water. Yeah. Uh, so what became pretty clear is that these giraffes would have to be rescued one at a time. Yeah. Uh, would you like to read from gizmodo.com? I would love to. Okay. Quote, to accomplish that, the Kenya Wildlife Service, the Northern uh, Raglands Trust, and the nonprofit organization uh, Save Giraffes Now teamed up with local residents to ferry the giraffes to safety. Uh, another quote, we were prepared uh, for months for this move, or we prepared for months for this move, uh, doing our best to eliminate any risks for the giraffe. David O'Connor, president of Save the Giraffe, said in an email, Oh, my heart is yeah. breaking. <laughs> oh, it's really, it's incredible. Oh, man. Uh, in an interview with the BBC, he described the raft in detail. Uh, several metal several metal drums were welded together for buoyancy, and a flat surface was placed on top of that. The flat surface was then sprinkled with compacted earth, so the giraffe would feel as though it's on the ground and not on a barge. Oh. Uh, the tarp, um, nearly 20 feet tall, was reinforced with metal poles, and this made something of the cube you were, you were talking about. Right, right. So uh, when it was time to go... Asiwa was safely sedated, and her eyes were covered with a little, like, burlap hood yeah. around her head. Like, kind of like, a, it looks like what you what uh, uh, Audrey Hepburn put on her face to go to sleep in yeah. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Just like that. Like a sleeping mask. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Breakfast at Tiffany's but meets, meets a Asiwa. Yeah. Asiwa. <laughs> um, so when she came to, she was guided to the barge where she stood for the ride. Uh, would you like to read further? Yes, and also, oh, God. Um, okay, quote, We sailed to Siwa over a mile of crocodile-ridden waters to the newly established Ruko Giraffe Sanctuary, and our team was there the whole way to ensure a Siwa was safe, O'Connor said. Uh, the 4,040-acre giraffe sanctuary nestled into Ruko Conservatory uh, was recently completed and includes fencing that keep uh, fencing that keeps that should keep Asiwa and her friends safe from predators and other hazards. A 20-person team at the conservatory will also be on hand to protect the animals from Gizmodo.com. <gasps> I feel yeah. so much better, right. but my heart is still broken. Thank you so much. <laughs> The plan was a huge success. Uh, shortly after Asiwa was rescued, her friend, Pasaka, was right behind her. Uh, all eight giraffes will be joined with 12 more in that sanctuary to up those numbers and just to be happy doing whatever the fuck it is giraffes like to do. Yeah. The end. The end. They fucking made it. Yeah. They're safe. They're safe. They're safe. I'm sad, but also <laughs> joyous, See? heartbroken. I'm going to be Googling Instagramming yes. giraffes later. Yeah, absolutely. Google BBC giraffe rescue. Okay. And there's like a video of um, Pasaka being rescued. Pasaka. And like, yeah, and uh, how happy everyone is when when he, I think it's a he, uh, 
Yeah. Makes it. Makes it on land. It's, it's pretty great. It's really quite an operation. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. Check out the picture because there are so many people involved. Yes. So many. And that makes me feel a lot better than yeah. just one person yeah. tossing just, them on a boat. It's not just you carrying one. <laughs> no, uh, which I would have done. And, and fails, but I would have had good intentions. Um, that was amazing. Yeah. A lot of ups and downs today. So, so many. Uh, yeah, that's it, uh, everybody. Uh, please subscribe and rate us so other people can find out about brain infections and stranded giraffes and all that shit. Yeah. And uh, continue to email us everything you think is interesting. All of it. Do, what animal stories do you have? Did you ever rescue one? Did you? Whatever the hell. To yeah. Send them to well that's interesting pod at gmail.com and stay interesting. Please do. <laughs>